first of all, it's a tremendous honor for for us to be here at the Grove with um, Eric, Pastor Eric, and Sincerity. You know, I, I can tell you that there's two things that you may not. My, my youngest son, who pastors 15 minutes from me, and Eric were born on the same day of the same year. And um, it really, um, it, it meant something to me. And I've always felt like that God blessed me tremendously by bringing Eric into our life. And he is a man of such integrity that he had to marry a woman named Sincerity. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> so we're really, really grateful to have an opportunity. What we'd like to do today is, um, this is the 4th of July, right? Weekend, right? And um, we do celebrate our freedom. And as a nation, even now, we have tremendous freedom. There's a lot of people, you know, upset about a lot of stuff going on in our nation. But I'm going to tell you up front that we're still the best nation on the planet as far as our freedoms. And the other thing is the people that have purchased our freedom. It's been a tremendous blessing to us in this generation to know that previous generations paid away for us. And um, that's not only true in our nation, but that's, that's true in the body of Christ. Someone went before us. Sometimes they're pastors and other ministers, but long before any of them, Jesus came on the scene. And he came for one purpose, and that was purpose was to give us the freedom to change. See, one of the things that we don't always comprehend is that, that before Jesus Christ, men were incapable of, free, of changing that's, that's really, did you know that one of the big issues is that the church is always condemning the world for the way they are and the world doesn't have any choice? Because unless they know Jesus Christ, they're subject to their own nature. And our nature, I'm going to tell you, even after we get to know Jesus Christ, how many of you know that even after you get to know Jesus Christ, that um, you've got to deal with a lot of your own stuff? Amen. And, and it doesn't all disappear overnight. Now, it does change, but the process, the process that we go through. So the first thing is to accept the promise. The promise in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 3 through 6 is, Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. We are confident of all this because our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified or do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of this new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. See, the deal is that even though God was doing everything he could to reach out to man, and even though God revealed himself and he revealed his law, he couldn't transform people. We couldn't change just because we knew we were wrong. We can't become better just because we want to become better. And the old law was written, and the Scripture says that the believer 
is the letter written by the Spirit of the living God. If you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, did you know that you were a a letter that was written? You are an epistle that is written by the Spirit of God, and it was written on your hearts, not, not on a written law. You can't find it many times in somebody's level of teachings, but it's what God himself has written in your heart by his Spirit. And when people see that letter that was written in you and they're able to read it because of the change and the transformation that's taken place in your life, the gospel is given additional power. It's released through the knowledge that we don't have to be the way we are. How many of you celebrate the fact that you you haven't arrived but you're on your way? Amen? realizing that the God that was big enough to get us from there to here is great enough to get us from here to there. We're all in that process of change. And we're that letter that was written. It says that the old written covenant of the laws ends in death. All that the law can do is tell us where we're wrong. The problem with the law was that it was impotent. It had no power to change us. God used it, the scripture says, as a schoolmaster to teach us that we needed to change, that we hadn't arrived. Paul writes and says, I didn't even know I had sin until I read the law. But then when I read the law, I thought, and then I thought, discovered what a mess I was in. And then he said, and then I died. There's a hopelessness that comes from the law when all we can see is that we don't measure up. We don't cut it. But it isn't the law that brings death. It's the sin that the law reveals. Because the scripture says that the wages of sin is death. Do you you know what that means? That means that the power of death is in the sin. God, God doesn't even have to judge us. Though he will, the sin itself brings consequences that are so painful and so overwhelming in our lives that we begin to experience death in our life. How, how many of you know what, what, what death that, for instance, lying brings? Right? When, when I lie, I bring death to a relationship. Right? I'm no longer capable of being honest. Now I've got to cover that lie, and I get further and further hemmed in away from open relationships with other people because the lie brought death into my relationship. All sin has that power to bring death. And when we know that, when we understand that the power of of the sin is that it brings death. God doesn't have to send a judgment. The consequences are in the seed of the sin itself. And knowing that really doesn't help us very much, does it? Because we've all experienced the consequences of our choices. Right? Oh, man. And some of us have some serious regrets and some serious remorse. But regret and remorse has only value if it brings us to an understanding that the old covenant can only bring death, but, but the new covenant brings the spirit of life. That through Jesus Christ, we can have in ourselves the... Okay, if... Sin has in it the seed of death. Faith in Christ has in it the seed of life. 
And just like you can't stop the sin from producing death, you can't stop Jesus from producing life. Isn't that good news? Huh? If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's an automatic transformational process that begins in your life. And it will bring life. As long as you walk in it and believe it and accept it and water it, you will continue to produce life and things will begin to change all around you. So the spirit of the new covenant is the spirit of life. It only comes through Jesus Christ. It doesn't come, remember, it doesn't come through the law. It can't come through the law. Romans chapter 8, 3 through 4 says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Think about that for a minute. The law was weak. It could not produce life. It could only produce death. So God sent his son in the form of human flesh. The scripture says he was tempted and tried in every way like as we are, yet without sin. He chose not to sin. And because he could live his life choosing not to sin, when he died, he died the death of the sinless. He was made sin at the cross, but he was sinless himself. Did you know that that is why death no longer has power over us? Is because death had no right to Jesus Christ. Death took Jesus Christ because of his human frame, but he had no right to take Jesus because of his sinlessness. And in his sinlessness, the scripture says he condemned sin in the flesh. Literally, he made it possible so that we could live outside of the power of our sinful nature. How many of you know that when you get upset with people that don't know Jesus about what they're doing, you're wasting valuable time? Huh? Right? Many of you are here that I have pastored in the past. You you probably heard this a lot, but... But how many of you know that, 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 that fish swim because they're fish? Huh? And birds fly because they're birds? And sinners sin because they're sinners. And if we could get over the idea of, of trying to make everybody fit a pattern before they even know Jesus, we'd come. How, how many of you have ever cleaned a fish before you got it in the boat? It don't work. So instead of becoming frustrated with the world and, con- and condemning them for their actions and their choices, we need to have grace and mercy towards them because they don't have a choice. The only people on the planet with a choice are believers in Jesus Christ. And we have the ability to choose righteousness because Jesus Christ condemned sin in the flesh. The law's weakness, our sinful nature, our appetites, Our addictions, the law of diminished returns, you know what that is, right? The more I do, the more I have to do to feel the same way I felt before. It's an addictive nature. Out of that addictive nature, God gives us an answer. And God's answer is he sent his son in a body like we have. 
that we could become like him. Look at 1 John chapter 3. It says 7 through 0, but I don't think I'm going that far. (laughs) Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they cannot keep on sinning because they are the children of God. The nature of Jesus Christ in us begins to produce through us life. And, and yes, we do sin. How many of you know as believers we do make mistakes? We do sin. And that's why he gives us in 1 John 1, 9, the reality that if any man sins and he confesses his sin, that the righteousness of God, he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he gives us a pathway for continued cleansing, but not with the expectation that we would continue to practice a lifestyle of sin because we've been changed. We've been empowered to become something more. We can make choices. I make choices every day, sometimes bad choices, sometimes right choices. I don't know how many of either. Ask my wife. She knows how to keep score. But the reality is that Jesus Christ came for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil. And that work is the work in me. That I wouldn't have to live subject to my sinful nature. That I wouldn't have to fulfill the desires and the lust of my addictions. That I could and I would change if I believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the promise. That's what he said he would give us. That's his word to us. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or who cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourself. God expects change because he's given you the power to change. He doesn't expect change because he gave you rules to obey. He expects change because he gave you his spirit. That through the power of his spirit, you and I can be transformed. And what I like about this passage scripture is that there's a new reality. The new reality is that some of you were once like that. (laughs) Maybe all of us came from a place. I was like that. There's nothing listed there I could justify myself or excuse myself against. We've all had that experience in our own lives where we know. That we've sinned. But it is a were experience. You were like that. You see the lie of Satan is that you haven't changed. Did you know that instead of celebrating our change. We're all too often looking in the mirror for the blemishes that remain. I woke up yesterday morning for the first time in years with a, with a pimple on my nose. 
it, it really disappointed me at first until I realized at 63, any oil at all is probably a good thing. <laughs> but we tend to see our blemishes instead of seeing where the Lord's brought us from. We were like that. I'm not like that anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, you wanna, I'm not going into a list of none of your business. But the reality is, I was like that. But here it is. But, but you were cleansed. You were washed. You were made holy. Did you know that every person in this room that calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is sacred? And it, actually the word that the, the Apostle Paul uses 16 times in 1 Corinthians, 61 times in the New Testament, is the word saints. That everyone here has become sacred to God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're sacred to Him. And if you're sacred, listen, how do we treat sacred things? We honor them, don't we? We lift them up. We protect them. But God says that you're holy, you're sacred, and you were made right with God. You were, but you're not. You were in sin. You were in bondage. You were, but you are not. That's the new reality. That's the freedom that comes with Jesus Christ. Listen to this passage of Scripture. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us have had that veil removed. He's referring back to Moses and the veil that was there, and I don't have time to teach all of that. He says, so all of us have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. The King James and the New King James says it like this, we are changed from glory to glory. And the word for glory, how many of you, you know, it's, it's a really a religious word, glorious, glory. And, and it means to so many people, like in the old days, glory meant that Shekinah. They called it Shekinah, where the presence of God was so thick in the place. And it was a cloud during the day and a fire by night, and it was the presence of God. And, and that's what the word glory came to mean to a whole lot of people. But the word glory here means nature and character. That God is changing you in your nature and character into his nature and character step by step from glory to glory. From Right now, you're at a place of glory in Christ. If you know Jesus, you're at a spot of glory. You don't look like him yet. You looked in the mirror and saw your pimple. Huh? You don't look like him yet. But you don't look like you used to look either. And you're at a different place in your process. And if you continue to follow him, tomorrow you'll be at another place. And later on at another place. And he'll change you from glory to glory, from nature and character to nature and character. Constantly improving until we become like him. Which is our goal. Amen. To be like him. Oh, the freedom to change from who we were. From who we are. One of Satan's great lies is to try to convince people that they've come as far as they can go. Or that some recurring problem in your life that you've repented of and repeated 
so many times you're tired of repenting. You feel like an idiot for going to God for the same dumb thing again. But, but before you give up, before you give up, remember that Jesus called upon us to forgive the sins of someone who offended us seven times 70, 490 times in the same day for the same stupidity. And if you count, you haven't forgiven once. Now, if God requires that of me for you, what does he require of himself since he is more righteous and more just than he can ever expect me to be? What am I saying to you? I'm saying you haven't finished changing, but you can change. You're not limited yet. You're not struck down yet. You understand what I'm saying? If you've fallen on your face, you've at least gained the distance of your body when you get up. It's not time to quit. You can change. I can change. I'm not I'm not who I was. I will become more like him. Now this morning, you're sitting here, and maybe I've talked all around the bush for you because you don't know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, this message is worthless to you because you can't change. And all I can do is make you feel guilty because you haven't changed and you're going to go out of here and continue what you were doing and remember what I've said and wonder if you ever want to hear anybody talk about God again because all you ever do is feel guilty. The answer is accept Jesus. See, if you'll just accept Jesus Christ, if you'll just ask him into your life, the power to change will become resident in you. And you will begin to experience change, transformation from where you're at now to becoming like him. It's a lifetime walk. I'm still in process. I've only been involved for 44 years. I'm still in process. So if you're here this morning, and that's what you need to do, and what I'd like for you to do right, right where you're sitting is just make a commitment to him. See, the Scripture says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He rejects no one. He don't care where you've been, what you've done, where you come from. He doesn't care. He'll meet you where you are. Now, he won't leave you there. He will bring transformation, but he'll meet you there. And this morning, if you need to enter in, if you need to give him opportunity, if you're ready for someone to come alongside and help you become who you know you need to be, because who you are has become painful. The answer is Jesus. If you're young and you don't have a whole list of remorse, this is a great time to find Jesus because then you don't have to go through my junk. So right now, would you just bow your heads very quickly right where you're at? If you're going to just ask Jesus to come into your life, become your Savior, become your Lord, 
so that you can experience his love and his transformational power. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. That's all you'll do. So thank you. Thank you. Does anyone else slip your hand up and put it down? We're going to pray together. We're going to have the whole congregation pray together. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Everyone out loud, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I need Jesus. I find myself in bondage, unable to change myself. I need Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. Dear Jesus, come into my life and fill my heart and change my mind and let me become like you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? I'm going to have you do something, those of you that are here that have believers in Jesus Christ, but you've been struggling with a a pattern in your life. It's a repetition. And, and you're doing everything you can to continue to believe in God, but Satan continually tells you you'll never break this in your life. Well, I, I've come to tell you that's a lie. If I had time to go through my testimony day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, I can take you to times of glorious victory that I've never had to go back to because of change. I'm still looking for change. I, I still need to change. But you don't have to remain where you are. So what I want you to do right now, if you're one of those that says, you know what, I need to make that next step. I want you to begin right now just to raise your hands towards God if you're willing to do that. And just say to God, God, I I need to accept your promise that I can change. Then tell the devil, I will not buy the lie that I can't change. Jesus lives in me. I can change. I will change. You, Satan, will not hinder me. For I know whom I believed. And I am convinced that I can walk in newness of life through Jesus Christ. If that's been your prayer this morning, give the Lord a hand clap. church, we are nine months new, very young. I know Pastor Carl knows this, but there's not been a single week that there we have not had one person that said, I want to commit my life to Christ and follow. So that's 43 weeks, people, that we've had somebody every single week. That's great. That's something to celebrate as a church, and, and we do, and we, we have faith, and we believe that God will continue to do that as we go on in the future. It's our faith in God. We want to see people come to know you. So, which means, because so many people have done that, there's a lot of new new believers in this in this room. So, Pastor Carl, you could you could feel the wisdom coming out, right? Um, his passion for following Christ um, it's amazing. I don't want him to leave yet, because I want him to talk some more. I think you guys probably want to hear him talk some more too. Um, give us, yeah. 
she showed me the quote that she wrote down for him. It's pretty funny. Is like, what was that? Um, I'm gonna tell you. What, what,
So um, I'm stalling here. I'm trying to find out what's next, what the next question to ask him. Um, but I really appreciate Pastor Carl and, and his heart to help people to just find Christ. There's actually, do you do still the radio programs up north? I, I've actually not been able to do that. Our, um, our finances haven't been in a place where I could continue that. Um, but it's, um, it's basically a, a program that's a one-minute one minute spot that is um, bringing the wisdom of God to daylight. And it's always on secular stations because that's where the people are listening. Christians don't... We've overfed Christians, I mean, I'm telling you. We need to make sure that the, the people that have never heard get an opportunity to hear truth. And so that's what we're doing. But, Brother Eric, you know, I guess the thing is that you and I went on a journey together and you asked me what I would say. 1983, the Lord assigned me to, to read a chapter in Proverbs every day. He's never changed that assignment. So if it's the first day of the month, I read Proverbs 1, the second day Proverbs 2, and so on through the month. And here's the reason for that. I have character flaws. And the book of Proverbs addresses every character flaw a man has several times each month to keep them in front of me so that I can keep them in front of God so I can walk in the power of His Spirit and not be subject to my own passions and my own blindness of what I'm becoming. And if I were to say anything to encourage anybody to do anything, go on that journey. Take the book of Proverbs, one chapter. I mean, they're short chapters. Well, 31 verses, but who's counting? And read them. And then let God speak to you about transformation. That's really my heart. You know that. Yeah. It's transformation. You and I can and will change. Yeah, and one more thing. So so Solomon wrote the Proverbs. And yes. one of the reasons there's so much wisdom coming out is because, well, tell us a little about that. He tried it all, it says. So. Well, that, yeah, if you go back into Ecclesiastes, it said he gave himself to know wisdom. But then after that, he felt like, did you know, did you, did you know that the wisest man on earth made the dumbest mistake on earth? It said he gave himself to know folly and foolishness. And it ruined him. He does repent at his later days and come back, but here's what I'd like to say. Look, you don't have to prove that sin works. You don't have to prove. I, I, met, I met guys that, that their excuse for watching pornography was to see what other people were watching. What? Think about it for a minute. That, that people, that people, I've known people that tried different things just to say that they tried them so that so they could relate to someone. You don't have to relate to their sin. You have to relate to their hope. That's Jesus Christ. I, I, you're gonna, I'm going to let you go. Would right. you guys give me a hand? Hey. If you um. And if you just go Google Pastor Carl, I'm sure you'll find some of his old messages online. Um, you'll be able to hear some more. Maybe even some of those radio programs that he did. I think they might be out there on, on the internet. Um, just to, yeah, if you want to find more about him, let me know. I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. Um, just some great teaching. He, he wrote a book, so I don't, I don't know where we can buy those at. If you're interested in buying a little book, I think he has a couple more books in him. I'm just waiting for those to come out. So he's talking about a couple of them. I'm like, man, I want to read that. So.